One, two, one, two, one, two. I didn't actually check my sound uh, before I pressed go live, as is the rush of today. So apologies if you can't hear me, but if you can, then let me know because I'm a rather sensitive soul for stuff like that. Still not trusted the tech. It seems to be working fairly consistently, but then I don't. Uh, I still don't trust it. I'm Jack Chew, 12.30, weekdays, we chew it over, and this is the only show that uh, this week that hasn't got a guest on, so you're going to be utterly disappointed, I imagine, um, but I've uh, picked some interesting topics. Some... <laughs> what I tend to do is I tend to look at some of the questions that come in and then sort of merge them and, and see what's of interest. I put them onto a little bit of a list and think, right, if there's a show that there's a gap, and then uh, I'll, I'll fill it with that. And so there's some really interesting stuff that we're going to touch on today, some questions that came in. Um, clearly, you can hear me okay, Katie said. Yes, Matt says it looks like a tasty topic for hump day. Yes, I'm feeling that pressure. I'm also feeling the pressure that this is the only show this week that hasn't got a guest on. And we know that that's why you tune in, really, for the actual experts. Uh, but one thing that I could be arguably an expert in is at least having an opinion on MSK CPD of which I've been in that space now for coming on for seven years. It's nearly seven years since we launched Physio Matters. Certainly seven years ago, we were in the thick of it. I think we first recorded an interview with Lee Harrington in May of 20, what, 2013. So uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's something that you should hope I've got some opinions on. Expertise, I don't know, but uh, certainly that's one of the things we're going to be talking about. Um, and so, yeah, there's some, there's some juicy stuff. The, the other thing as well that came off our conversation with Jack March last Friday was um, I mentioned that I'm into sort of moral philosophy, evolutionary biology as being personal interests, hobbies, a bit of an infovore in that space. That, and I feel like that overlaps significantly with my professional work and thinking and my different roles that I have. Um, and so then some people have then asked how or what or what, what do, you, do I feel uh, most relates and what sometimes doesn't and so i'll come to that um which seems to be you know you never know i've got a couple of questions in that direction it might well be that the rest of the audience aren't interested at all in that but i'm going to give it a whirl and, and come to that as well as some light reflections on uh the race relations uh, roundtable that happened on physio matters live stream on monday uh, farouk bellow did an incredible job those that didn't uh, hear farouk on this show on monday that night he then did a roundtable discussion on uh, diversity and inclusion in physiotherapy, you know, as he mentioned in the intro, mainly particularly focused in and around race relations at that point. Um, and so I've got some thoughts on, on that and you know, a topic that naturally is going to need to be unpacked on, on this show and beyond ongoing. So I'm certainly just going to uh, nod to a few thoughts and comments, but certainly something that I want to know yours on. But what I want to open with for those that are tuning in live um, wherever you might be finding this, be that Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, where else are we? Twitch, Facebook, did I say Facebook? Probably Twitter. Um, what's your What's your thoughts on, um, oh, that Katie's saying it was really enlightening. Yeah, we've got a number of people that have already tuned into that, but it's also going to be cast onto all of our podcast platforms, etc., on Sunday and YouTube and things like that. So yeah, if you missed it, then there's going to be a number of ways you can catch it, but it's still on Facebook, of course. So uh, yeah, lots of great feedback for that. So thanks, Katie. I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it and many others did. What I want to know your take on um, at this point in time is, is and I'm going to, I'm going to sort of not rant, but uh, riff on my take on on MSK CPD and the state of the state of the nation type stuff. Um, but I want to know your thoughts. Like, where where do you think we're at um, at the moment? And that can be over whatever level of analysis, be that a few months or, or year or whatever. Where where are we at? Um, it can be related to this, 
sort of post-pandemic situation or it can be more general but I just want to know your thoughts on it really do you think it's in a health, healthy state do you think it's sort of cluttered do you think it's um, too niche too vague whatever I'm interested in your thoughts so if you're listening live please post your comments and I'm interested in what your thoughts are on the on MSK CPD My, mine are and I nearly even put this in the show's sort of description today um, was that, you know, and, and it, it just seemed a bit inflammatory for it to be in the description, but equally it'd be bottling it if I didn't at least say it, is that my take on MSK CBD uh, is that essentially I think that most of it is crap. And that's one of the things that sort of fuels my fire. I mean, there's a lot of people out there, no doubt, that, that think that everything that we touch is crap. And so it's not for me to sort of not acknowledge that it, these things are down to taste, but... It's one of the things that means that I've, I've stayed in this game and, and that my team are passionate about education, clinical education, um, and also just producing content that is going to progress people via knowledge. And, and, and that's why we're sort of in it. But it's also why I, I started it. And I will come back to you know, what, what's one of the relevant to talk about, some, one of the triggers that started physiomatics, because sometimes people don't know that story unless they've heard me interviewed by, you know, I think there has been something I have shared, but they might not have heard about why I started Physio Matters, and that's relevant because some of that still applies. But generally speaking, yeah, I do, I do think that um, there's large parts of it that are crap, and it usually falls under two, two categories, really. Um, and I try and produce content that's constantly held up against those filters, and sometimes we make these mistakes, but generally speaking, we, we try not to do one of these two key failings. One is that it ends up being sort of dry and boring and sometimes over-academic, uh, in that it's sort of a a legacy of, um, and I understand why these sorts of events need to happen, but essentially it's where there's this natural scientific conference style of approach to MSK CPD in which there's just this presentation of work, including the dry statistics, by someone that's been deeply embedded within that space. So they've been working on a paper or a project or a dissertation or whatever it might be, some sort of thesis, and often really respectful if i'm sat there i'm probably interested in that work or the conclusions of it but the person's then regurgitating it in a format that sort of complies within a scientific uh, conference in that you you just go through and you're obliged to having submitted an abstract for it you're just obliged to go through it in a certain way and i just i can't help but find that to be dull even if the topic is of interest to me the style and format and sometimes the way that it's sort of shapes and sculpts and otherwise interesting speaker and very interesting person no doubt that's had a really interesting journey with this with this data with this concept with this you know it's sometimes it's, uh, it's exposed them to things that they didn't expect and you just never really get that until maybe sometimes at the end if they've got chance to but often they're just sort of going through this template which i just find to be dull and i understand why it's happened it's a legacy thing it's not necessarily due to the character or even due to the organizers but it's just this obligation to sort of comply within this really dry academic for want of a better word of um of process a template and that sometimes then bleeds into the online space or whatever it might be is that even even interview shows or podcasts or whatever that, that sometimes it's just that that is the that is the way in which people present their information and their data etc and it's you know we just sort of succumb to that that template approach and I just find it to be crap and that's again just a matter of taste there's other people that um I know have, have come to me saying that that uh, they've when I started doing in-person events etc and we've had it a bit recently with therapy live stuff is that people are wanting to you know create a better scientific conference atmosphere around MSK and and 
and asking me if I would be involved in that. And I'm obviously supportive of, you know, when, when things are declared to be of a certain way and for a certain demographic of, of delegate, then I'm not averse to it. But I'm just admitting for my personal taste and where I think that the, the industry at large needs to go is that I just think that that style is, is, is one of the things that's kind of got us in the place that we're at, whereby uh, I'm going to come to the next stage. But it, it, by things being that way out, the other side of it is able to flourish because it's just sort of uh, dry and dry and dull. And then this other thing crops up, which is that you've got this cowboy environment, as I often describe it, whereby you've got people that are essentially just pitching uh, their take on a matter from clusters of anecdotes without recognizing the um, the relevant mechanisms of effect that are underneath it. They're sort of a bit guru centric. There's often a marketing angle to it with regards to either sort of perpetuating their style of care or even associated to gadgets, gizmos or uh, uh, programs in which or, or come and do my level seven course. You know, by the time you get to level seven, it's almost like this Scientology style approach in which you qualify for the truth. If you can eventually uh, go through our model of, uh, of education long enough and, and then it's usually associated then to to, to brands and gadgets gizmos etc um, and that's something that at one point felt like that was sort of dying out in the cpd space and then it's kind of come back with a vengeance in part because there's this there's this really uh see almost like a overdo you know over empirical scientific regurgitation of, of, of facts or conclusions uh, and spoiling some brilliant characters that would otherwise be really, have really interesting takes. And then this other side is sort of not shying away from just going so far away from what would be sort of evidence-informed sensibility because they're sort of like, well, that's what, the, that's what the laboratories say. This is in practice. This is what I do. This is what works. And that's why you should get all your patients to buy this particular flavor of shoe or insole or or device to roll around on or or this this is why this particular ointment you know when mars is aligned with jupiter that's why it cre you know why i get better results than the guy next door and back pain and you know there's there's such a a vast difference there where I, I mean i have far more sympathy with those that are being sort of dull and overly templated with scientific regurgitation um than I do with with sort of cowboys that are doing that, even if they are well-meaning in a sense, right? So I'm, I'm not talking about charlatans that are knowingly perpetuating mistruths. I'm talking about people that, that otherwise I think they've got the key answers to these important questions wrong as to what, you know, what we should be doing in terms of um, style of, you know, instigating self-efficacy, person-centered care, trying to help people reach their functional goals, all the stuff I often talk about. If, if they're not recognizing that to be the, the, the how the sausage is made, that being the core component of care. But they, so they genuinely believe in whatever it is they might be spouting. But that style of education is quite interesting. It's sort of fast-paced. They're often decent with regards to the marketing of it and they use graphics well and all that sort of stuff. And so it just becomes this, one is sort of very entertaining, but light on detail and facts. And one is plenty of facts of the matter, plenty of detail often, but he's not entertaining at all. And so it comes to why you know, I feel like many things succumb to that. And that includes some online content and, and platforms that then, and subscription models that sometimes make the mistake of being one or the other, right? And and this and this grades and gradations and stuff. And, um, and I'm not saying I always come, uh, don't make, mistakes in that direction i'm sure we've produced some stuff that, that people find to be on, on, the, on the whole might have been too too dull too, dull, too detail laden too scientifically granular 
And then there's other times, there's certainly people that accuse me of being one of these sort of uh, raving, anecdote-based populists that, that are just spouting stuff based on on, on anecdote. And uh, I try not to be either of those people. Our team are constantly checking ourselves against those things. Um, and, but I feel that, that quality MSK, CPD especially, but I would say just quality education in, in general is somewhere between those things, but also is a true third way which is that you don't shy away from it needing to be entertaining you know you're recognizing that people are often digesting this content in their own time sometimes even the lunch break like this and that but equally it should be based it should be based on something there should be a, an argument that's there and, it, and, and an argument that's been exposed to appropriate counter narratives a point that is being made that that would be put up against a counter um so often what i'm describing as being these these cowboys are often doing so they're not putting themselves forward to people that disagree with them and saying can you challenge me on this or or really coming up with appropriate representative arguments against other things um and similarly the the sort of really over empirical scientific dull stuff is just like well no this is the way it needs to be and, and really even putting an expression on my face would be a bias and so i just need to tell you the facts of the matter and to entertain is is cavalier is bad science and it's just like i just think it's clumsy either way really so we're trying to do something that's appropriately in between it doesn't mean we don't make mistakes but um i would unfortunately say that that, that there isn't uh, there isn't a majority in that middle ground um I, I would i would say that when i look on especially with what's happened where people have then um had to see less patients or adjust their care etc and sometimes they've been flexed into the education space i wanted to do more virtual stuff um, virtual events even it's just that the quant the quantity is as massively expanded but it doesn't necessarily mean that the quality has then rose amongst the quantity there's some quality absolutely i'm not so sort of being smug and, and not you know, i'm not pulling the ladder up you know i love the fact that people are being creative and i want to perpetuate quality work and it, it raises all standards there but you know generally speaking i've seen people just um flexing into that space thinking well how hard can it be and then just throwing stuff out there and often succumbing to one or both of those mistakes and weirdly sometimes they can do both is that they've got these dull research review type stuff and then they've got punting it on an anecdote in the next breath um rarely from the same speaker or or, or, or but sometimes the same platform and that disappoints me I, I really don't like that i don't like either of those things it's why i try to come through the middle of that and <laughs> I wanted to hark back to why did physio matters start and uh, I'm not that, I'm not trying to make a case that, that physio matters is therefore perfect and, and doesn't make those mistakes but physio matters started because I got um I got a new operating system on my phone where at a time where me and Charlotte were commuting an hour to an hour and a half each way for jobs that we were loving um just we were living in Sheffield I was commuting to Nottingham and back and she was commuting to Manchester and back for jobs that were going to provide the foundations for our careers and so I had this new operating system on my iPhone podcast that was sort of front and center so I just typed in uh, physio or MSK I can't remember what it was or it was just, just sort of a healthcare pain injury I don't know what it was but basically then got a podcast up and then free of charge I then commuted the next day listened to a podcast on the way to work that I was a better physiotherapist for the for that journey for having listened to it couldn't believe it I was delivering I could, delivering better care for those patients having heard a true expert in the field share their latest and greatest ideas in that space um this will be 2013 i imagine there's maybe 2012 
And um, yeah, just a phenomenal. Couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe I hadn't paid for it. You know, I was just uh, checking I hadn't, uh, making sure it hadn't, uh, hadn't gone through or something, that they hadn't processed it from a text message or something. And, uh, and then uh, couldn't believe it. Over the moon with it. And then on the way home, same day, on the way home, I then tried to do the same thing. I clicked on another episode and got home and I was incredibly frustrated because I'd the same experience of having information shared with me and uh, as an interview format. But it turned out that on the way there, the person that being interviewed was quality incredible and, and was sharing well-balanced views. And on the way home, it was just Cowboy Central. And it was just that the, the style of interview that was being done wasn't meaning that they weren't necessarily challenged them on, on you know, falsehoods, as, as far as I could see it and, and, and tell, is that they were just perpetuating falsehoods and not being challenged on it. And that was, it drove me crazy. So I went in and ranted and told this story to, to Charlotte, my now wife, and said, like, this is mad. You know, I went to work, I couldn't believe this, how, how brilliant it was. But then it turned out that the only reason it was so brilliant was because it's the, you know, the guest selection. They just shared their message and shared a great message. And on the way home, the other, the other uh, therapist that was on the other side of the interview was you know, full of shit. And it was like... The, there wasn't anything there that was appropriately you know, doing you know, basic journalistic skills to just challenge them on stuff or maybe close enough to the knowledge or the evidence themselves to really elicit that. So I'm whinging about it and Charlotte said, well, could you do better? Um, I fancied myself in saying, yeah, but I bet I could. And so I bought some microphones and there we went. We went at a time where we just started a consultancy service with Choose Health, doing second opinion work and stuff like that in our sports clubs. So I got some microphones, attached it to that a little bit, and, and we had a new website with was Juice, so we bolted it onto that. And so that's how Physio Matters was born. Now, the reason I'm mentioning that is because it's not dissimilar in many ways. I mean, I hadn't been exposed to over-empiricism necessarily at that point as much in my career. Um, and, and certainly that story doesn't talk about that dryness and dullness I was talking about. But certainly why Physio Matters exists is to try and offer a critical analysis to stop people being able to just shoot the shit left, right and center in, in such a, a cavalier way. And that even when I do something like that or any of our guests do it, and sometimes maybe people accuse us of that, then it's, it's certainly we're, we're wrong by accident, as I often describe, and that we're often, you know, our biggest critics, we'd have them on the show. You know, it's uh, something that we really want to make sure that we're challenged on on where people perceive us to be going wrong. But that's my take on that. CPD, MSK CPD, do I think it's in good shape or not? I don't know, really. I, I feel like the majority, I'm admitting that I feel the majority of stuff that's out there is crap. Uh, for those reasons, it falls into one or both of those categories. Um, and there's plenty of good stuff out there too, but it's, it's sometimes hard to wade through the, the crap to get there. So um, a fairly bold opinion maybe for some, but um, I'm interested in your thoughts. Let's have a little look at what um, what, what you guys are saying in the in the comments section. So thank you for, for those of you that have got in touch. Um, let's have a little look. Right, so. Mark Scarsbrook, I have, a separate, I have separate thoughts about modality-based CPD versus soft skills. But if you're going to do modalities, surely there should be a standard assessment criteria to test for competency. Oh, that's a really interesting point. Certainly come back to that. Kate Napton, some fabulous Physio Network monthly reviews, normally high quality and gives quick overview of latest papers. Yes, certainly heard great things about those and, and experienced plenty of them myself. Uh, Jim and Tom have, uh, have done them from our team, for example. And I know we're doing some work with them, with MSKR, and Andrew Cuff uh, is doing something with MSKR with them, which is good. Um, Matt's then added, is there a misconception that a good therapist or a good scientist is automatically a good teacher? Teaching skills different to presenting skills should be studied yeah i think i think there is an assumption there i think that's fair and sometimes we uh, see and witness 
good work that's written and, and, and good science that's done that then you get them to get them on behind a microphone or you then look them up and look at whether they've presented that work to consider them for things like physio matters or therapy live etc and you you find that they are wanting as a as a speaker i think there's something that's to be said for you know i don't think everything should physiotherapy shouldn't be taught for tea really uh into professional teams to sort of coaching and teaching skills the way the end and center of our care delivery now i think there's something to that and obviously i'm a I'm a, uh, a very much a student of Mike Stewart there, you know, my first uh, clinical mentor and someone who's a good, great friend of mine and someone that feels that, that those sort of basic pedagogy skills need to be central to our care delivery. But I, um, I also think that there's some, there's some physios that when it comes to public speaking or, you know, I've got, I've got some of the best therapists I know, some of the best therapists that work with us are, uh, last thing they want to do is shoot the shit like this down a camera. Um, and I'd never put them in that position because they just don't want to, to teach or share not just in that format, but teach or share full stop. You know, it's just not their their, their interest. Um, and so it's, you know, well, I wouldn't say necessarily all, which I know that's not what Matt's saying, but I think there is that he's just asking about that assumption, which I think is a really fair point. Evie, good afternoon. Uh, she's then said, if one guest is full of shit, but likely to tempt a large audience to an otherwise great podcast, it's a difficult one. Yes, it's interesting, isn't it? Because that's, uh, that's what's, I don't mind, you know, it's, it's all, like I said, people are often wrong by accident. Uh, we're not talking about charlatans. So I'm not averse. And sometimes we're criticized for not having people that are full of, you know, I'm calling full of shit on the podcast and to challenge them and to talk it out. Um, but it's not, I'm not really on about that. I suppose when, when I see some content, it's more that someone's full of shit and the, the, the audience, uh, the, the interviewer is not necessarily exposing the audience to a counter narrative. They're sort of waving it through as if it's sort of sensible. And especially when that's on a channel in which it might have had some credible people, then that, that frustrates me. Um, similarly, you know, we, we don't want to have a completely adversarial show. Uh, we want to perpetuate good ideas and, 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 and that's one of the things that's meant that we've not really done that where we've done these almost like expose style critical interviews. Also, the people that are that are uh, vulnerable to that, who I'm saying are full of shit, they, they usually know enough to to not want to put themselves under that scrutiny. Sometimes we've reached out to people saying, do you want to fancy backing that up on air? And they're not into it. So, um, so that is a shame, but it, it happens. Jim March, is there a difference between big multi-presenter conferences versus individual seminars? I feel I can take a bigger risk on content and delivery style at 45 minutes at a conference than teaching a day course because of expectations and cost to attendees. I think that's fair. The, con the, the format of the content you're delivering is going to influence, influence things. Um, and I think that that's a, a really interesting point. And I certainly noticed that myself as an educator is that the, con the, the context of which you're delivering it really matters. So no, it's a really interesting point. Uh, I want to go back to, to Matt's point about um, modality-based CPD versus soft skills. I don't find myself having... I mean, you can have separate thoughts. I suppose it depends what the separate thoughts are, and I'd be interested. And typically, I'll, I'll probably get Matt to unpack that, maybe even on air. But I, um, I would say that I don't, um, I don't really like to separate those things off because I don't necessarily see them as being so different, apart from maybe the specifics. So if we're doing something where you're, you're literally teaching people how to do a Lackman's test or something like that, or teaching people how what is an appropriate use of of, of touching, you know, a, a massaging a 
a thigh, right? You're going to have something that's, that inherently needs to be practical. Um, and so I do accept that there's a, d a relevant difference there. But when it comes to actually the way in which things are educated uh, between those two points where I was saying about be not being you know, with Lackmans or, or use of touch, you could talk about the granular detail of evidence until the cows come home. And then on the other side, you could just sort of play fast and loose with those two things and saying, you know, it doesn't really matter. Imagine saying it doesn't really matter how you do it. Uh, you know, it doesn't really, you're not really talking about uh, Lackmans as if it needs to be a, a certain way or what you're even testing or someone making an argument that, well, yeah, Lackmans is known as an ACL test, but actually I use it for testing all the internal structures really. And I just rag about on it on a few different angles. And um, I, you know, so they're going completely counter to the, the science, I suppose, is where I'm, I'm concerned. And um, and that's why I'd say that, that the style of balance that I'm describing that needs to be sort of accurate, but then also you know, don't be shy to be appropriately entertaining and human and, and, and using examples and anecdotes as, as well as carrying through how your application of that work is is done uh, that's where i i feel, really feel would be the the appropriate balance of that um so i noticed that we went we've, we've spent more time on that than i probably anticipated um i went off on one maybe hope it's been interesting uh, but certainly something that i'm i'm passionate about last five minutes then i want to sort of touch on and it can sort of tee us up for, for future questions and see what you guys think but um people asked after if i'm interested in sort of moral philosophy etc how does that map onto my job roles. Um, there's a number of different examples. Uh, one of the most obvious examples that's happened clinically recently is that you've got um, people interested in the philosophy of causation and the philosophy of science and the way in which sometimes the, the inference and the priors that can exist whereby people think that, that for something to cause something, then they often use the example, say, of uh, smoking causes cancer and the way in which data can sometimes, data and experiences can then help us to link those things so strongly that we can declare things as being causative. And the Cause Health Project, of which I've been a, a big cheerleader for, and we covered their conferences, especially early doors, um, is something that's made sure it appropriately challenges the fact that essentially there are so many different factors that can mean, especially some there's, a, there's something that is uh, has a of a disposition or is of a disposition uh, to be um i won't say vulnerable but but subject to different different factors that can then influence whether or not it's not necessarily a uni unified thing or one thing that would cause something but instead things can contribute to and 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 err towards or err against and there's some really good work that's been done in that space um and that's been valuable in many ways and i suppose an obvious way in which a better knowledge of philosophy can help to at the very least stop people making bold bold claims about things that they do or don't do uh, to be to be inherently causal uh, and and recognizing the multiplicity of factors in play i think at the very basic level that work has really helped people to understand that they're you know that's it's almost opened up a more f a true form of holism which is what matt phillips talked about for those that tuned into yesterday's show um for me i think another example that I'd like to use on a policy level and, and how you influence change on a macro thing you know, rather than with just with patients or, or with a small group in education. But when I'm looking at when we're broadcasting to thousands um, or trying to influence policy through MSKR and my, my director's hat on for the think tank is that it really seems to matter to me the sort of philosophy that um, and even some of the, the fairly ancient wisdom in many ways as to the nature of self and the, the human nature and what that means. Uh, the biological come sociological influence as nature versus nurture factors. And for me, one of the most interesting things that I witness 
is that it really matters people's people's ideology uh, really matters when it comes to their their take on human nature especially when it comes to something that is is are humans inherently good or inherently bad uh, really seems to matter you know it's rare that it comes up in that form but when it comes to someone's instinctive take on what is the baseline characteristic of, of humans and when it comes to philosophy if people are sad enough like me to want to look into that then you'd look at someone like thomas hobbes um i think a 17th century philosopher scotsman was someone that felt that uh, and he, he wrote leviathan and in, in leviathan he was describing the fact that people are his core premise is that people are inherently bad and then get civilized by society and you can imagine about what the things that come downstream of that philosophy and the politics of it and things is that he felt that people are born inherently bad and would otherwise be inherently bad unless they were civilized by society and then thomas Rousseau, who's a french philosopher slightly later um 18th century a bit of a celebrity at the time but someone that Rousseau is that humans are inherently good and get corrupted by society and there's plenty of philosophy and politics and, and and things that come downstream of of that core notion um and you know it's something that if someone is hard and fast in, in one of those camps then you can so understand how that would influence their take on matters and, and i experience that on a regular basis when thinking with my mskr hat on is that people's sort of instinctive take on the nature of things the broader analysis really that makes a difference and so understanding people's priors their dispositional interests in that space is is really valuable for me um i mean i'll talk about it um, another time because i know we're out of time if people are interested but for me um i i'm strongly in opposition to either of those takes i don't think that we um are inherently good or inherently bad as humans instead i think we are inherent i think we have uh, a human nature that is incredibly relevant and is sometimes overlooked for sociological reasons um instead sorry for, for displaced for sociological factors but i think we have a human nature but i think we have a disposition to good and evil we can be both and 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 uh, and and I think that that's something that is fairly comfortably and where it overlaps certainly with the evolutionary biology and the study of primates etc has really assisted an understanding of that philosophy but for people that are really of, a, of an opinion that they're very hobbesian or rousseauian is rousseauian the thing uh, but uh, you know of of that ilk where they are really feeling like you're either born 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 corrupt and get civilized or you're born pure and then get corrupted incredibly relevant to how people think and so i just as one example um of how philosophy influences my thinking and certainly maps onto my work less so i would argue clinically probably that one but certainly my work as an educator a broadcaster a commentator um, and, and certainly as a director of a think tank that is trying to to, to move for positive change and, and, and promote policy it really seems to matter to me so i'm interested in your thoughts i know as ever i talk fast and we've run out of time uh, but um it's all to do with whether or not you guys are interested in it or if there's anyone that you want me to chew it over with over those themes or you might never want me to talk about philosophy again which is absolutely fine as well i understand so thanks a lot for your time really appreciate you as ever um oh fortunately i've at least got evie saying that she really enjoyed the talk around the practical importance of philosophy that's nice at least i've got someone so interested in the thoughts from the rest of you but uh, lots of love top guest tomorrow tom jesson's on the show what a hero he is we're going to talk a little bit about sciatica a little bit about some of the social media um, opinions he has and how he uses some tech filters to sort of filter the noise um, and hopefully we can learn from tom and be more tom jesson at the end of that show so really excited to have him on the show tomorrow uh, and then friday we've got a bumper show as well joe turner's going to be talking all about self-care 
um, coaching and, and, and aspiring to be better and fulfilling potential and things like that. She's a physiotherapist and life coach. He's going to be absolutely phenomenal uh, on Friday. So please do tune in um, to uh, to that on Friday. But yeah, two top guests Thursday, Friday. So hope you've enjoyed this show as well, even though it's been guestless. All right, I'll see you tomorrow. Thank you.